Welcome to Leadership Revealed, where John Paul shares his no-nonsense approach to all things leadership and scaling businesses. John interviews some of the most successful people in their industries to see what it takes to become a great leader. Be prepared for the truth about leadership and business. Please welcome your host, serial entrepreneur and top-selling author, John Paul. So welcome, guys, and thanks for tuning in on our YouTube channel or listening on the podcast. We've got an absolute fantastic guest um, today. So, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling? Very good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy and excited to be here. Excellent. So obviously, I know quite a bit about you, researched you, had a bit of a chat before this. Can you just tell our viewers and, and listeners just a bit about you and how you became to be a confidence coach? Yes, yeah. So as you said, so I'm an executive confidence coach uh, and I set up my business in 2017. Um, before then, uh, I actually started my corporate career as an event manager in central London. So dealing with big, big clients, large scale corporate events, and then moved into HR because I really love that kind of learning development side uh, and thought that was going to be the space where, where I could do that. Um, wasn't the passion that I had um, but really great learning in and of itself and and kind of through that I I discovered coaching and was like it was a big light bulb moment of this is this is what I've been trying to search for for so many years um, and so then after a bit of a turbulent 2017 took the plunge and thought yep I know what I want. Let's just go for it. You know, why am I waiting around? Uh, and so started my executive coaching then, uh, did my diploma. Um, and then kind of since then gathered more qualifications in sort of mindfulness, MBTI um, and a master's in psychology and neuroscience of mental health. And that's where I, I am today. You've literally got more letters <laughs> after your name than there are in the alphabet. It's incredibly impressive. I mean, thank you. As we were talking off air, the one that really stood out to me, I mean, the, M the MSC is incredibly impressive, but the one I really, really liked was the Academy of Executive Coaching. And the first yeah. word was listening. Yep. I love that. I really, really do. Exactly. And, you know, fundamental to coaching. And, you know, in, in the past, I've been asked, you know, what's the most effective coaching tool and all of that? My answer is always going to be active listening. And I think the key to that is active because, if we think about a normal conversation, when we think we're engaged, you know, we're talking to our friends or talking to customers or clients or, or in any of those situations, we've still got this internal monologue going through like, oh, that's interesting what they said, or, oh, they did this, oh, that's, and then you go off on your own monologue of, oh, when I did that, or, or what about this, or what am I having for dinner mm -hmm. later, mm -hmm. or we have all of that kind of naturally so where coaching takes it and kind of that extra level is active listening where you shut that off and you purely focus what is that person saying and let go of that sort of anxiety of oh what should I say next what question should I ask how can I come back do I look intelligent do I look like this or that and actually by by kind of relaxing into it you end up hearing so much more that the conversation flows. And that's when you get the good stuff. You know, people tell you then what, what they really want. So, you know, if you think about the industry, that's when you're getting all those good gold nuggets 
because people are telling you that, but you just need to kind of boost yourself into that active listening, relax, turn off that internal monologue or that panic of what am I going to say next? It will flow, trust yourself. But everyone, you know, people are telling you what they need from you if you actually let yourself listen. That's really interesting that because a lot of a lot of people I, I coach and have coached in the past um, have got an agenda when they go into a meeting. You know, yeah. they, they, they want to achieve something. But almost when you have a meeting, it's you, you might have a different outcome to what you thought because of the new information. So yeah. how, would you, how would you tell people to shut that mind? Because it's easier saying just shut oh, up definitely. <laughs> listen to it. But is there, is there anything that you would sort of guide people towards or, or give them some tips? Mm, I think it's really practice. And with all these things, you know, practice makes progress. And the the analogy that I love that really, I think, has helped connect a lot of this with my clients is around the, the kind of parallels between mental fitness and physical fitness. So, for example, you know, I think you did some, some fighting and boxing yes. and things like that, right? So if you had someone come to you who's never done any of that and they're like, right, you know, I want to be like Anthony Joshua. This is what I'm going to be. I'm going to be like that next week. You'd be like, okay, actually, let's, you know, dial it back. We need a, a training re- regime. You need to think about diet around what moves you're doing, where, which parts you need to be conditioning and you build it up slowly and yeah maybe the first time you get in the ring you get out of breath a little bit more you're a bit sore the next day but you know what you go back you have that consistency and so it takes a little bit longer before you get out of breath you recover a little bit quicker and it's exactly the same when we think around mental fitness so whether we're talking about authentic confidence whether we're talking about active listening it's practice. So start to practice and take conversations like talking with your friend, your partner, your colleague, start with those smaller conversations where you're more comfortable with someone and actually think, okay, for this, for a whole five minutes, I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to shut off that instinct to jump in with my own monologue, with my own story about what they've done and how I've done it too, or something like that. And just breathe Mm. and just hold back a little bit when you want to jump in with your own monologue, just hold back, just breathe in, breathe out, then jump in if it's still necessary and if it still flows with the conversation, but just that tiny pause Mm. can sometimes make all the difference. So it's just doing these small consistent practices and then you build up that fitness that you can take it to customer interactions and to client meetings and, and into the industry and kind of take on those in a way bigger challenges because you've just started that small consistent steps consistency and simplicity over complexity absolutely I, I think you, you said something there as well which was very relevant to our industry so at the minute it's quite tough and people yeah. are going out there and, and because we've got lots of valuations but we're not taking on a lot of properties as an industry so people yeah. are just cramming and valuing a, a reasonable sized house in half an hour 20 minutes yeah. you can't do that so they're clearly not listening to their client and customer because you can't listen in 20 minutes to value an, a property and I believe you had a similar sort of situation recently where you actually took over the entire process because yeah. the, the agent who we won't name um, wasn't actually listening to you. 
Yes. Yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting. And sort of all of this fits in with, you know, I do think, I do think you can make the most of a full 15 minutes, a full Mm. 20 minutes, if you let yourself and kind of turn away distractions and are present. And if you're flexing that active listening, it's completely doable to be able to do, but you, you know, you kind of get need to get to a point where you've sort of got a bit of a good base level of, yeah. of active yeah. listening fitness in that way but yeah with the with the recent experience when I was when I was selling a property is the reason why I took over and got the sale was part around the active listening of of a you know how I wanted to go about things and and what I was looking for from a seller but it's really about flipping that perspective and thinking what is the buyer looking for mm. what is the lifestyle that this flat or this house or this property gives them and for me when dealing with that process with the estate agent that was what was missing is for them it was you know a one bed in London and you kind of go through a dime a dozen and you just you know it will sell it's it's kind of gonna happen so they don't need to really put in much in terms of that and completely you know I get it everyone's time poor in a sense But like I said, if you come back to a full five minutes, a full 10 minutes and have that mindset rather than just five minutes, just 10 minutes, open it up and you can really open up the conversation. Think, what does this buyer want? What is the lifestyle? More than one bed, three beds, garden, balcony. It's not about that. It's about this is someone's home. What do they want to achieve there? So, for example, I remember, you know, when I initially bought that flat, what, seven, eight years ago, you know, it was coming to London and it was independence and it was safety and, you know, what that home could provide for me. And that's what I sold to the person that bought my flat because they were very similar to what I was seven years ago. And, you know, it was really painting that lifestyle and here's this amenity and, you know, you're near the shops and all of this and you can just pop from there to there and, and all of that opening up. But you've got to think about, I, you know, the person that I'm selling to may not care about the square footage or the kind of the nitty gritty detail. Maybe they need me to paint the vision how they feel in this space, what they can do with this space. Or maybe they do actually just want to know square footage, you know, any council tax banding and all of that sort of in and out stuff. And and actually me forcing the big vision on them isn't right. So, you know, all of that information can be quite difficult sometimes to understand or gauge quite right in, in a short space of time. But if you come with that active listening, and just a simple question, like, you know, hi, how are you? And then, so like, tell me, tell me what you're looking for and actually care about the answer. Because, you know, questions like, how are you? Are the sort of questions that we ask very, you know, all over the shop without really caring about the answer. And things like, tell me what you're looking for in a property can also be quite the same because you've kind of got an internal checklist of, of what you're preempting. And so then you go into your set modes. But if we actually relax, let that go away and care about the answer, engage that active listening. And maybe they say something and go, mm, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Open questions, curiosity, and come with that curious mindset 
rather than the I'm time poor, I need to get the sale. Curious, time abundant, and you can make a whole five minutes completely different to how just five minutes was yesterday. Love that. One of the things that we tell our guys when when they go in to do a viewing is, is first of all, is there anywhere where you'd like to go just for a quick chat? It's mm. comfortable. It's normally kitchen or the lounge. The next question we ask is, what are you looking out to get out of today's meeting? Yeah. Because when somebody books up to book a valuation, it could be, you know, they just want a valuation. The real reason is they're splitting up with a partner and it's too hurtful to talk about yeah. to a complete stranger or the parents died and it's a probate property. So when we get them in their home where they feel safe and secure and they feel as though they can answer openly, then we quite often, I wouldn't say every time, but at least 40, 50 percent, we get a lot more information just from asking yeah. that question in a bit more detail. And then, like you say, it's, it's that active listening where you can then go down and follow the conversation. Yeah, exactly. And engaging in that, you know, in that empathy so that people can open up and actually coming back to the how are you question is that can actually be a really valuable tool mm. to to kick all of that off. But rather than how are you, how are you today mm. and ground it into the day or the present? How are you this morning? How has your morning been so far? And it's just those slight changes in language because a, how are you, you know, as I said, generic answer. Yeah, it doesn't really count. And also it can be quite overwhelming if, for example, you know, as you said, your your partnership has broken down, your parent or someone has died, and that's why you're you're coming to this property valuation space. Someone asking you who you don't know, how are you? You're like, well, you don't really care about the answer. I'll use the generic, I'm fine. Or yeah. it's sort of too overwhelming and too much for the situation. So just how has your morning been so far? How are you today? It just gives it a little bit more of a kind of comforting boundary and actually has that kind of, I care about the answer and obviously be interested in, in what they say. Yeah. Funny that there's um, the first business I ever bought because we bought an estate agent and, and the guy, when I used to ask him, because I was buying individual houses, like my investments oh, often, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I phoned him up and I'd always say, how are you doing? And he, his, he had a stock answer, crap, thanks for asking. That was his <laughs> his answer and um this one time he said crap thanks for asking do you want to buy an estate agent and i went yeah go on then <laughs> and he went really so yeah it was it was a it's a generic answer but i really like that that oh. that tip you give about how are you this morning how are you today it's more personal yeah. i think a, a generic stock answer is less likely to be given um but yeah really good i like that I like yeah great yeah. and i mean also be prepared to kind of answer it from yourself right if we're building rapport obviously you know you don't need to go into the ins and outs of of all your personal stuff you know we keep it professional but you can be professionally kind of comforting and open and I think actually leaning into openness and honesty and vulnerability can be real strengths especially when you're thinking about the property industry because it is personal when yeah. you're dealing with one-on-one -on -one properties people you know these are people's lives and and through our property we go through our whole life cycle um and so really leaning into that can kind of open up possibilities both in terms of creating that great relationship with the seller but mm. when it comes to potential buyers so it's all about building rapport isn't it it's all these mm. things that we want to try and build so would you would you say and i think i, I already know the answer to this instead of a, like a stack them high sell them cheap type model where yeah. everyone's got 45 minutes it's better to 
over over booking an hour or an hour and a half and if they take 50 minutes and great but don't rush it because you want to build up on a, on a very basic level that that rapport with that seller to hopefully get the business yeah exactly and I think you know having that and building that trust with that seller and then most importantly being able to keep it is is paramount and I think in all of these conversations as you said you know take that time but if you have 45 minutes if you have 30 minutes if you have 15 minutes great you can do a lot in that time and a really nice structure so I do I do a lot of coaching with kind of uh, VP seniors around presentations um, talks meetings that sort of thing and it's really about structuring your content and it's the same for when you come to meetings so think of it in beginnings middles and ends and you have the beginning the middle and the end of the majority of the time will be around the middle but the beginnings and the ends are paramount and they're often the bits that we think least about. So a nice general structure at the beginning, say thank you. And it can always be really underestimated and we easily forget. So thank you so much for having, for taking this time with me today Mm -hmm. and then give an overview of what you want to achieve in the 15 minutes, the 30 minutes, the 45, the half an hour, you know, the full hour, whatever it is. So thank you so much for taking the time. In in the full 30 minutes that we have today, I'd love to go through, you know, go through the property, go through the ins and outs and with the old end goal of we'll end here. Then the middle is the meat of it. So going through that property valuation process or whichever part you're at. And then the ends sum up and do take that time to summarize. So what I've heard from you today is what's most important to you is X, Y, Z, where I think the property is at is this or this, or I will come back to you by the end of the week with the full valuation, you know, be very clear around when you will follow up, when you will come back, what they need to do, what you will do. And then again, end with a thank you but it's just having that structure mm-hmm. and you can, you can kind of expand that or condense that mm-hmm. depending on the time that you have. I agree with the structure thing. I mean, most of the people who've, who've listened to me and follow me will be absolutely sick of me bleeding <laughs> about structure because I think you need structure in all aspects of your life, personal, professional, social. Um, and, I, and I think as well, my course that I teach letting agents and state agents, we've got a syllabus. Yeah. I think people mm, want so much better to a syllabus because they know what's coming next. They know if they pass this, then they're going to go into that and how it fits in. And I, and I, I agree. It's the same with a, somebody who's, I think we look at business from our, our own perspective too much. Um, yes. We might have not sold the house for being in the market for 25, 30 years. We took a property on last week, uh, two weeks ago. Their house hasn't been on the market for 57 years. Wow, and he was he was born in the house, and and now it's been passed to him. He's never bought or sold a house before, so yeah. people going in and saying you want to do this, just shut up and listen to them. Yeah, See what they want exactly, and and with those sorts of clients, especially, and even if people are, are quite used to the process, you know, it's still holding that <clears throat> comfortable boundary, that comfortable structure. So. I always say, you know, with clients and and through the coaching process is 
structure or any of these things that that we work on it's about creating a climbing frame not a cage Mm -hmm. and you also have to understand that you know there are some personality preferences where having something like that can feel in very restrictive and they need that space to breathe so it's always a nice loose boundary but kind of holding someone and it creates that trust that you hold this space it's their space it's for them but you're the one holding it and that's why kind of having that beginning to end arc is so important because you know everyone always likes to tell you that buying and selling houses is one of the most stressful kind of life experiences that we go through And you have the opportunity to make that calm for someone as much as possible and, and to hold that space. So it can be exciting. It can be, you know, there can be that wonderful opportunity within that challenging time. And that's a gift that you can give to these people that are your customers. Love that. Um, We're speaking um, before we started and we were saying about how, I was explaining about how at the minute it's a really tough time for agents with too much demand, not enough um, stock out there. And what's happening is people are, or a lot of agents are undervaluing themselves, devaluing themselves, and they're literally uh, just saying, yeah, I'll do it for virtually free. I mean, some some of the, the fees that are being quoted that we are going up against, it's just, they've, they've got to be losing money. Um, and that's a confidence thing. And as a, as a confidence coach, you know, it, it sounds as though it's right up your, your street. Can you, can you tell us, exactly what a confidence coach does apart from, you know, the the obvious, but how do you actually make people, how do you help people become more confident? Mm, Yeah, I think the key and generally where I start is really helping people think around what confidence is to them. Because I think, you know, words like confidence, success, happiness, we use them a lot without taking the time to think what, what does that actually mean to me rather than maybe what I perceive it to be, what I've been told it is, what other people tell me it is, what social media says. Mm -hmm. So first, what is confidence? And I work in authentic confidence because I think people have quite a common misconception that confidence is something you have or you don't have. It's something that is loud. You've got to know what you're doing at all times um, and all of that. And I, you know, for me, that's a complete misconception. And I think confidence is something we all have. Again, coming back to this fitness mental muscle, you know, everyone has confidence. It's just around how confidently fit you are currently and how you kind of want to work, work out with that to increase it. Um, And it's not, you know, I think confidence isn't the absence of fear. It's actually knowing you have that fear and leaning into it. You know, vulnerability is a strength. And if you're someone who's a little more quiet, needs internal reflection, fantastic. You can be extremely confident in that, but you just need to start to know who you are and how you like to work. What are your preferences? Are you someone who gets energy from talking things out and you actually need to talk out your ideas in order to get them fully formed? Or are you someone that needs time by yourself to process the information first before coming out with your idea? Both valid, know which one you are, and then you can actually start to say what you need. So for example, if you're someone that needs that reflection time, 
in a valuation meeting, gather that information. Remember, come with active listening, curiosity, and then say, excellent. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to go away and reflect on all that information. And I will come back to you by the end of the day, by tomorrow with this. And again, it's just holding that process, but letting them know for them to get the best out of you, which ultimately benefits them, you'll come back to them. You just need this time to reflect. You just need that. Or, you know, go and talk it through with your colleagues, whichever side you need. Mm -hmm. So the first point is really what are your preferences and how do you like to work so you can know going forward how to kind of get the best out of yourself and communicate that with each other, especially with your colleagues. Um, And then the second kind of key part is noticing what's already going well. Because with all of these things, we love to focus on where we perceive we're falling short, where we perceive we're not doing things correct or mistakes or things like that and really focus in on them and make them very big, which just decreases our own uh, perception of confidence in, in whatever we're doing. So three questions that are great to ask yourself at the end of every meeting, and it's a really good habit to get into, what's working well? How can I do more of it? What one thing would I do differently if I had my time again? And whether the meeting's been extremely successful, whether there have been some areas for improvement, it doesn't matter. We meet success and failure the same because failure is actually the opportunity to iterate, to learn, to grow. Without missteps, it's very hard to keep climbing. What's working well? How can I do more of it? One thing that I will do differently the next time. And then the next time comes around and evaluate again. And we just circle in that nice evaluation as we go. But it helps us slightly tip ourselves into that positive, constructive mindset. Yeah, I think a lot of us don't take that time of reflection and and reevaluation because we're just on that treadmill of, of valuation. Didn't get it. Never mind. Let's move on. Next one, next one, next one. I learned a hell of a lot more from my losses than, than yeah. I ever did any of my wins. It was pointless. It was, yeah, you did this well, you did that well, but it was a loss when it was like, right, you left your arm out, you got submitted or whatever. Those were the ones, right, I'll, I'll work on that. And even playing rugby when we used to go over the game tapes and stuff, it was right, okay, well, we screwed up this. Our scrum wasn't very good. Our line out was poor. Um yeah, and I, I, I don't think it's an industry, or, or maybe it's a nation, I don't know. It might, it might be different in different industries, but I think we just just get on that treadmill and just keep going and going and going. Yeah, exactly. And it's that's the thing. And if you take a full five minutes, and genuinely five minutes, put a timer on your phone and just ask yourself those three questions. And whether you get the valuation or you don't, both are equally valid to ask yourself those three questions, whatever, because there will always be something that went well that you can expand. And if we expand what's going well, we automatically decrease what isn't working well because it just doesn't have enough space. And focusing on one thing to do differently, it doesn't mean bad, good, that was bad then, so we have to try this now. It's different because until we try it and we evaluate it, we don't know whether it's going to be more beneficial or perhaps have a different outcome or perhaps have an outcome that we don't want. So again, 
we do something differently and we iterate. And it's just getting into this kind of iterative cycle of reflection and evaluation. So, so a link in that, I mean, you've got um, uh, an inner critic, haven't you? The, the Gertrude. Even, yes, it's even got a name. I mean, it's a, it's a, I imagine it's a little bit like imposter syndrome where you, you, you just yeah. don't really good enough and, oh, I can't go out. And I mean, we've just taken on um, a, something called Fine and Country, which is a high-end estate agent yeah, um, over the UK. So we've got the entire of North Yorkshire. Now all of a sudden we're going out a million pound and million pound plus houses, Wonderful. charging a lot higher fee as well. And it was a massive confidence thing. And we've, we got our first one on a couple of weeks ago, we sold it. And now all of a sudden you can see the guys getting over there, Gertrude, getting over there, their yeah. and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's working quite well, but it's all about confidence and getting over that inner critic. Yeah, and that mindset, and the thing is, is that inner critic, and and yeah, mine, I've named her Gertrude. Um, she, you know, they are there from an evolutionary perspective to be helpful to you. Um, and it's just when they're off balance and a little too loud that we that we let them become destructive. And so it is leaning into noticing the what's going well and write it down. And another really useful aspect of this is gratitude practice and you might think like oh you know I roll gratitude practice sounds a bit you know wishy-washy yeah. but actually uh, from a neuroscience perspective there is so much evidence and scientific evidence now around the actual neurological benefits and physical benefits within your actual physical health of doing something so simple as gratitude practice it you know not only increases your own personal positive self-regard but actually can help you physically kind of decrease um physical ailments uh help sleep and sleep is paramount um especially when we're thinking around my favorite neurological term which is adult hippocampal neurogenesis which is making new brain cells so all of these things you know gratitude practice sleep moving noticing what's going well how can i do more of it is helping your brain and your body so you can show up authentically confidently efficiently and effectively to get that sale, to move forward, to keep progressing in the way that you want. Yeah, something that you said there from an evolutionary point of view, we need that inner critic to, to stop us. Mm. And I, I can't remember what book I was reading. I think it was Homo sapiens or something where he said, you need to have that, that sort of negative thought at some point, because if you're in the savannah and you see the brush sweeping from left to right, yeah. the positive things, oh, it's, it's just the wind. I think I'll go investigate, but the negative saying, hold on a minute, it's, it's a yeah. massive saber-toothed tiger, stand back. So we, we need to have that little bit of, I don't know, self-preservation, but but like you say, be able to control it. Exactly. And it's, and it's a really good point to just say, you know, is there anything I'm missing? Because we all naturally have cognitive biases and because you know it's a sort of shortcut to decision making otherwise we would just be paralyzed by the the overwhelming amount of information that we've got to process just to kind of open our eyes and breathe so you know there are biases that can be helpful or unhelpful but obviously it's kind of that checking point of what assumptions am i making and oh this inner critic's just come up is that a little flag to pause mm -hmm. just double check the logic the evidence remember feelings aren't fact they're very helpful 
they can help you, they can, they can spur you on, but it's just checking that I'm not going into projecting my own thoughts onto someone else and kind of putting it as their thinking patterns or making any underlying assumptions that aren't helpful or backed up by evidence. And how can I kind of double check those things and then take that conscious step forward? So to any of our viewers and, and listeners who do suffer from that little bit in a critic, a little bit too much on the negative side, yeah. um, have you got any tips that they can they can get over that? Is it more just yeah. self-reflection, taking a bit more time themselves, looking at the facts, not, not the feelings as much? Yeah, and actually coming back to that gratitude practice mm-hmm. is really key to start to build up that mental fitness. So there's there's been quite a few studies where just writing three things that you are grateful for or proud of from the day and be specific from the day. So for example, you know, you may always be grateful for your partner, hopefully, but uh, maybe they've done something like um. they, <laughs> they, they brought you a cup of tea, yeah. you know, in between your meetings, because you've got a busy day, or something like that, or your colleague, you know, actually asked, how are you doing today? And you had a really nice little moment there. It so it's small things as well. It doesn't have to be big things. Very, very small things. And the thing is, the smaller, the better, because we're really good at dismissing all of those things so in a way you know I practice gratitude I have one oat latte in the morning and it's and it's one and I'm always it's like that little treat moment to just start the day you know I I always get up early I work out and then I get to my desk I have my my coffee I look at the outside at the sky whatever it is gray blue sunny rainy and you just take that breath and then you can kind of plod on with your day but building up that log of evidence and write it down. Because if you start to have a little book, a book of gratitude, a book of moments you're proud of, a book of compliments that people have given you, and when they give them to you, write them down in this book. It's just for you. No one else needs to know about it or see it. But it starts to build this log of evidence. So when that voice gets a little louder, when you're about to venture into something new, You've got that to fall back on. Just remind yourself, oh, yeah, no, I remember John said this about me. That was really nice. He noticed this or, oh, I was really proud that I I did that. Because whenever we come to something new, like taking on higher value properties, it's exactly the same process, whether it's a million pounds or a hundred thousand. It's the same. There was a time when you had never sold a hundred thousand pound property. There was a time when you had never even thought about that before, but you've done it. You've built up that comfort, that experience. And so you just take that up to the next level into the same thing. And you start to notice what are my skills? How do I keep using them? How do I use past experience to where am I, I am now? And how do I keep learning? So it's just pulling all of that together. I suppose it's just getting out of your comfort zone. The process is exactly the same. It's just yeah. a bigger house, a bigger fee, and you just get just get out of that comfort zone and just do it. I suppose exactly. And leaning into those things like active listening and all the all the stuff that we've covered today is, yeah, maybe they they need a little more of that that personal service. Yeah. But whether someone's house is a million pounds or a hundred thousand or you know ninety thousand, whatever it may be, is they deserve the same 
the same kind of customer service experience that you give you know we're all humans we're all going through the same process everyone's you know it's kind of coming back to that nice property life arc that we have and you you get to be able to go on that journey with someone so just bring in that active listening and then you realize whatever the price tag you show up authentically you adapt you listen you're curious and you get that great customer experience love it beth i think we'll we'll leave it there there's been so many really good golden nuggets there. i'm sure everyone's going to take a huge huge value from that um if people want to get in touch how do they get in touch website instagram yes yes so my website is andhope.co.uk um on instagram it's and hope life coaching and or you can drop me an email directly at beth at andhope.co.uk Great. We'll put all the links uh, below as well. But Beth, I just want to say thank you so much. I've got so much from this. And uh, once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.